Well, we are beginning a new series, and it's going to run through till Easter, so about nine weeks, and it's, so you're dead, now what? And then after Easter, we'll be finishing it up with uh, four or five weeks on, so you're alive, now what? And so we're going to have some fun with this as we look at the book of Ecclesiastes in the Older Testament. You know, let's face it, most of us don't live in the light of the end. Uh, We really don't want to think about it. It really doesn't feel good to think that someday our life will end. Uh, Solomon wrote these words. He wrote, death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take heart to this. And all through our series, part one and part two, we're going to be thinking about how should we take this to heart? Not in a woe is me, sad way, but how do I leverage, how do I use my life, how do I squeeze the most out of it in such a way that uh, it is as sweet as, as it could be? So I, I would really encourage you to try to be here. We're going we're gonna to go slowly through Ecclesiastes. It's, it's over 12 chapters. We're going to be taking a look at that. If you miss a week, you can follow up with that online and check those things out. But, uh, you, you know, it's just going to be a real good time of really hunkering down and seeing how this applies to our lives so many, so many years, years later. And um, also, uh, if you're looking for a community group, and uh, you haven't jumped into one of those, you can take that sheet and look through that. Uh, There are some community groups that will be, uh, in a sense, going through the message-based stuff, and there's some other great community groups out there. Uh, We totally believe that not only should we sit in rows on Sunday, but somewhere along the line, we should sit in circles and really integrate uh, what what we're talking about, what we're looking at. So anytime uh, we dive into a book and, and work our way through any kinds of scriptures, you know, you have to realize that sometimes it comes across a little confusing, but actually that confusion can become clarified in our lives. At first we read something and uh, maybe we don't get it the first pass and we dive in, we study, we look at the context and we start to understand that it it doesn't have to stay in this confusing area, that we can actually have uh, some clarification. And when I I look at scripture and and I've read about this and I think about this, I, I really start with this idea of how does this help me live out Jesus' words from Matthew 12. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion, all your prayer, intelligence, and energy. And here is the second greatest commandment, if you will, greatest second focus is love others well as you love yourself. So when I look, obviously, at the New Testament, I I look at that being an application of that. And even when we go into the Older Testament, it's a different covenant. It's a a story about a nation. Newer Testament is a connection with an individual, us as individuals, the assembly, the church. But in the Older Testament, I, I, I ask myself, how does this help me love God more? And how does this help me love others better? And we look at the Older Testament, again, Ecclesiastes is in that first 
part of the Bible, uh, we need to realize that Jesus didn't come to get rid of these ideas and concepts. Again, he came to clarify. And we read this in Matthew, Jesus' own words. He says, don't suppose for a minute that I've come to demolish the scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete. Another language, another translations will say, fulfill. I am going to put it all together, pull it all together in a vast panorama, vast picture. This idea, again, of, of loving God, loving others. So as we, as we start to look in Ecclesiastes, I'm going to show you some verses that at first glance seem a little uh, confusing. And as we work our way through that, we'll start to get a little bit more clarity. But I, I just have to do this because somebody said it earlier. I do have to say there is another Old Testament verse that I don't find confusing at all. I find it actually a little uh, a prophecy, and, that, and that's this one. The goat charged furiously at the ram, struck him, breaking off, off both his horns. Now the ram was helpless, and the goat knocked him down and trampled him. No one could rescue the ram from the goat's power. Sorry, how to do that. Oh, we'll see. It's in the Bible, okay? All right, so... Back to our series. So, you're dead, now what? All right. <laughs> so, you know, there's verses like this in Ecclesiastes. You know, Solomon writes this, and we'll break that down a little bit, but there's verses like this. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. What do you do with that? Well, it's good that you're here. What does this mean? Does this mean that, you know, we live our lives and, and uh, an animal lives its life and we both get buried and it's basically the same? Uh, we'll be taking a look at that. Uh, here, here's another one. Everything turns out the same for everyone. All people will share the same destiny, whether they're righteous or wicked. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that I can live a fairly good life, uh, not a perfect life, but I can live a good life, and, and somebody else can just be wicked, and it turns out the same? What is that all about? Another one. This is, this is, this is great. Do not be excessively righteous, and do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? Another version says, why should you wear yourself down? Now, is this a verse saying that uh, you and I shouldn't, shouldn't try to be live right? Does this mean that we shouldn't, in a sense, uh, try to be wise? Because uh, when we get jumped into all of that, it just kind of wears us down. It, it ruins ourselves. We'll have to find out. Now, now here's a verse that some of you guys might want to apply. Wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. Ecclesiastes 9.8. Splash. Very important word, splash, okay? But again, there are these, these, these verses. Uh, here's another one. Uh, while I was still searching but not finding, I found one upright man around among a thousand. That doesn't, that doesn't sound too positive, but then it even takes a turn uh, for the worse, in some circles, the next part of it says, but not one upright woman among them all. 
Ecclesiastes 7.28. What is Solomon getting at? Uh, Another one, uh, wine makes life happy, and money is the answer for everything. It's in there. What in the world does that mean? How do we, how do we apply that? How do we, how do we integrate and in what, what is this all coming? So if you, and, I, and I'd love this, if you sit down and decide over the next few days to read through Ecclesiastes, you're going to come to some of these verses, and there's other verses like this, that just, that just really, you go, what do I do with that? That actually seems totally contrary to the way a person of faith even a person not of faith should, should actually act. What, 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 is, what is that all about? Well, today we're just kind of setting the table. We're going to set the table, look at some things, get some parameters, and then we'll continue to, to work our way through. So if you please turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. That's page 461 in the Bibles you'll find uh, in the rack around you. If you happen not to have a paper copy of a Bible, uh, please feel free to take that Bible as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Uh, Also, we're very excited about uh, UVersion. It's an app that uh, you can download onto basically any electronic device, and it's free, and you can have the Bible and different translations right there with you everywhere your phone is, your tablet is, your computer is. So I'd encourage you, if you don't have that, to, to check that out. So Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll get started as we, as we set the table, in a sense, for our series. Beginning in verse 1, it says, The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain for all their labors at which they toil under the sun. Aren't you glad you came to church today? This is just a feel-good, positive message. What is, what is he getting at? Well, as we've already mentioned earlier, the writer is King Solomon. And uh, you can find out more about King Solomon in your, in your notes there if you were to read through and find out a little bit more detail about who he was. Uh, king Solomon was uh, King David's son, and he was the king over Israel. Uh, it was a very successful time for him. He basically gets everything he wants in life, wisdom, women, riches, power. But uh, somewhere along the way, he discovers, apart from God, all of those things seem to, to be empty. Uh, they they don't, just don't seem to do it for him. And again, he had every resource available, any, any whim, any joy, any direction, any whatever. He, he, he could just go do it. And so he writes this book, his journal of how he's looked at life. He's doing this at later age. Uh, some people would say this is a kind of a, a book of regrets. This is a book of, you know, I lived my life and I found that it's empty. Uh, some would say I found it was empty, but I've turned around at the last minute and I'm seeing where it can be full. Uh, if you're familiar with the uh, Older Testament, the Bible, you'll say that uh, Solomon also wrote some other books. He wrote Song of Solomon. It's a romance book. It's filled with optimism and joy. It's Solomon as a young man. And then he writes Proverbs, kind of middle-aged, kind of trying to put things together, and uh, it's just wisdom and uh, just all these great things he's observed. And then towards the end of his life, 
he writes Ecclesiastes. And again, he, he sees that all of his great things that happened in his life, all of the things that he had control over, all the things he got to involve in, got to build, to make, all of that, uh, at the end seems to, to be uh, this idea of meaningless. And meaningless is, it can be translated, some of you have maybe vanity in your Bibles, it's this idea is everything is a mist, it's a vapor, it's a puff of wind, a bit of smoke. And for those of us uh, who ever have gone, you know, flying, uh, the team's going to fly this week, and, and they'll, uh, you, I can't remember, are you actually starting in the daylight or is it going to be dark when your plane takes off? So let's just imagine it was daylight, and, and it's a beautiful day, but there's still some great, puffy, nice clouds up there. And as you take off, you look at those clouds, and you start to get closer to them, and, and they actually look like they're, gonna, they're some kind of barrier. There's some kind of thing up there, and you, you kind of just fly right through them. And then you get above the clouds, and you're flying, and you look down, and it, 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 just, it, just, it looks like there's a carpet of something. And again, when you make your descent, you just go right through them, and uh, they don't hold uh, the weight of the plane or a weight of anything. And what Solomon's starting to get at is this idea that as he looks and takes inventory of his life, as he looks at all the wins, he really didn't have too many losses, but all the wins of his life, all the achievements of his life, he says, it's, it's like a cloud, it's like, it's like smoke, it's like a vapor, here and gone. And we translate that in some of our Bibles as, as meaningless, seems empty. And you know what's uh, interesting about this? This is one of the things that are really going to be helpful for this. Uh, I've read through Ecclesiastes a number of times over the years, and in September I was reading through it again, and, and it just, I just said, man, we've, we've got to talk about this on Sunday morning. But, but what's interesting, or what I'm, I've, I've looked and I've started to think about my life, is what things do I, in a sense, put weight on that are just like a cloud. If that pilot tried to land on the clouds, we'd say that's ridiculous. You're just going to go right through them. Likewise, sometimes we can get a little confused or a lot confused, and we put the weight of our lives on things that are, are, are wonderful in of themselves, but the reality is it's just a cloud. And, and Solomon had so much of that, and he discovers, because sometimes you and I say, well, maybe if I just had a little bit more knowledge, maybe if I had just a little bit better of a job, maybe if I just had a little bit more money. He, he was at the top, and he finds it's a cloud. Came across this uh, little clip of, uh, you ever seen these things, a trust fall? You ever done a trust fall? Yeah, right. Uh, was it a positive experience? How many of it was a negative experience? All right, see, a few of you had negative experience, and uh, in, sense, in a sense, it's almost like a trust fall into a cloud. And I came across this, and this, this poor guy, he's doing this trust thing, and he's getting ready, and he's very excited about it, and they're talking him into it, and he goes the wrong way. I, I got that twice there for you if you missed it, but uh, he goes just totally the wrong way. And uh, that guy doesn't even stop to catch him. He just keeps talking as the guy goes over. And, you know, some of us, actually all of us to some degree, live a life of a trust fall. And we're trusting in something that's really not going to hold us. 
and we think it is. And it might hold for a little while. But then we start to fall, and there's nothing there to catch us. And what I love about what Solomon says to us is he's going to teach us how not to do trust falls into nice, cushy clouds. Or not to do trust falls where there's no one going to catch us. And I don't know about you, but, but I need that because I very easily, all of a sudden, start to take something that might even be really good for life. And I start to trust it just a little too much. And then I go to use it to catch my fall. And there's nothing but air there. It may even look like there's something there, but it's just clouds. And those of you who have been around in, in church world for a little while, faith world for a little while, uh, you, you know, we've, we've talked about this a little bit here, but I, I just want to hit it really quickly, is, is, is this whole idea of, again, we're trusting things, and we live in a world that even some of the things that are bedrock, that are tied to, to faith, uh, sometimes they don't work out. Sometimes we do the right thing. And it doesn't work out. You can think of that time maybe at a workplace where you were going to have integrity and you said the right thing and you looked at what it seems to drip off the pages of Scripture that if you do the right thing, God will bless you and God will protect you. You do the right thing at work and it doesn't go well. I've had those stories where I've, I've not in a, in a snarky, self-righteous way. I said, I really can't get involved and do that because that, that's not, you know, what God would have me to do. I didn't even really say that. I just, I can't be involved in that. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I think, you know, God's going to be like, that was great, Dave. You stood up for what you need to believe in and true. And, and you know, and all of a sudden, I, I, my job is in jeopardy. It's this idea of principles versus promises. We go back and look what Solomon writes in the work of Proverbs, and we have to remember time and time again, I have to remind myself often that those are principles, not promises. I have to understand that. Uh, There are times where I follow the proverb, and it doesn't turn out necessarily the way it ought to. It's a principle. For example, this, uh, you know, a lot of us like Proverbs uh, 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and it goes on about, you know, not about living an upright life, and then it kind of tails off with verse 10, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim with uh, new wine. In other words, you do the right thing, you trust in God, and everything's taken care of, but you might even have a story where you did that, And it didn't work out that way. And you say, what happened to to the promise? See, it was a principle. Normally, regularly. And we have to understand that. And Solomon gets into that. Solomon has written Song of Solomon. He's written Proverbs. And now in Ecclesiastes, he's looking back at life and he's going, you know, sometimes you do the right thing. And it, it, it doesn't work out right. Proverbs 6.6 6 talks about, uh, you know, the ant does its job. The sluggard obviously doesn't. Consider the ant's ways and be wise. See that he 
he does, he keeps working, and there's, there's plenty for winter and, and all those kinds of ideas. You probably may have heard of that before. And uh, some of us have, have done things, lined everything up right, and, and it hasn't worked out that way. Uh, I, know, I know for us, uh, you know, when it comes to, to housing, we, 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 we bought our, our place in Concord uh, like 10 or 11 years ago, and, uh, and uh, you know, real estate was the right thing to do. We, we saved money, we bought it, and this summer when we sold it, uh, we, we ended up losing $75,000. And you go, wait a minute, I did everything right. I, I, we, even, we, even, we even followed God's call, we think, to, to come to another church. That, that shouldn't have happened that way. But it does happen that way. Not all the time. So we have to understand the difference between principles and promises. And Ecclesiastes gets into these things. Some of those things that sometimes we just don't want to think about because we try to make sense of it, and there's no way to make sense of it. And so Solomon gets after that. Uh, some of us have experienced this. Start your children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Again, do this, this should happen. And, and it doesn't always work out that way. We know stories where it has, and we know stories where it hasn't. So Ecclesiastes, Solomon starts to unpack those, untie those knots that uh, some of us who have been following Christ for a long time don't even want to bring up because we, we, don't think, we don't think God can really answer that question. Or we think the answer won't, isn't, is, he can't carry the answer to that question. So Solomon deals with that. He also uses a phrase, and um, probably uses this phrase, I don't know, 29, maybe 30 times, uh, this, this idea of under the sun. And he'll say it over and over again, under the sun. And from a human perspective, and not necessarily from a heavenly, heaven's point of view, is this under the sun. And he talks about it, under the sun, this is what happens. And it's almost like he, he chooses not to mention above the sun. And we would say above the sun is, is heaven, where God is, where it's God's perspective. So he continues to say, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun, and fails to really talk a lot towards the end, he does, about, about over the sun. And, and we feel that. We, we can get into our lives where life is just under the sun. It's just from this perspective. And when we see things from this perspective, uh, not over the sun, uh, we, we find all these additional, additional um, conflicts. Um, there's, there's also this idea of word gain, profit, and he uses this a number, of, a number of times, and he talks about this idea of gain and profit and, and, and all that kind of thing, and it has this idea of what is, is left over. So he says, you know, basically, what is the advantage of living? Is there any, any gain in this thing? I can, I can work my whole life and get to the end. And basically, in other verses, he says, I started off naked, and I end up naked. I started off, and, and, and nothing in between. So, so what do you do with that? And Solomon is wrestling with, with, with heavy things. But I think those ideas, those concepts, can be so helpful when we, we start, to, start to look at them. 
Also, there's this word labor, and labor's used 23 times in, in Ecclesiastes. And just uh, one verse that just uh, speaks into that is, what's there to show for a lifetime of work? A lifetime of working your fingers to the bone. And again, this whole idea. And Solomon, Solomon had palaces. Solomon had a kingdom that was unbelievable, so prosperous for 40 years. He built the temple, uh, magnificent, all of these kinds of things. It was a time of peace. Uh, the coffers, the, you know, there was no, there was no, um, no debt. There was no uh, any of those kinds of things. It was great. Yet he says, what was the point? Is it, is it, is it meaningless? And throughout, we're going to see that uh, these ideas, these concepts uh, uh, basically get played out in at least three areas. And, and we can relate to that. We've touched on it a little bit. Uh, this idea of the smoke of chasing pleasure and power. And again, Solomon had it all. Solomon had uh, 300 wives and 700, I, I want to say use good words, but 700 not official wives, but wives. <laughs> uh, means he could, could, could enjoy one of his uh, wives, uh, you know, like for three years almost, and not, you know, have seen the same. I mean, it's just, it's just bizarre. And and he had that, and and he's and he's realizing this is just crazy. Again, he had he had power. In Ecclesiastes two one, we read, "I said to myself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what was good." But that also proved to be meaningless. He, he, he just, it's, it's a vapor. It's, it's just not something to lean in. It's not going to be something that uh, holds you up. And, and, he, and, he, and he just, just sees that. Um, just, just unbelievable. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever, I came across this little quote, if you've heard of the, the hip-hop star Drake. Some of, yeah, yeah, some of us old people are like, I don't know what that is, but uh, this is what he wrote one time. There was a point where I felt like I needed to keep company of a different woman every night. I was trying to fill a void. But in those moments, I knew it wasn't working. Those quiet moments are the realest moments a man will ever have in his life. The next day, I was convinced myself to do it again. But during that time, I knew it wasn't working. And whatever that area is, we can relate to that. Solomon didn't just, Solomon lived that kind of life. Uh, goes on in verse uh, 10 through 11. I denied myself nothing my eye, eye desired. I refused no, refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun, chasing after the wind. And there's that verse I mentioned earlier. So you see the, the smoke of pleasure and power. And again, it's not somebody who didn't achieve it. It's not somebody who didn't have it. He has it. And his conclusion is, it's, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, 
It's a cloud to lean into. It's, it's meaningless. It's a trust fall with no one to catch you. He also talks about the smoke of chasing wisdom, about understanding everything. In verses uh, 8, 16 to 18, again, he talks about, you know, he, he, he threw himself into uh, knowing everything. I, I knew more. I'm wiser than anyone before me in Jerusalem. I stockpiled wisdom and knowledge. What I finally concluded is that so-called wisdom and knowledge are a mindless and witless, nothing but spitting into the wind. Much learning earns much trouble. The more you know, the more you hurt. You ever gotten there where all of a sudden you've started to put some pieces together and you look at the pieces and you go, wow, I kind of wish I, I, ignorance was blessed. I wish I really didn't know that. And now, you know, and Solomon was. Solomon experienced all that. He says, you know, trust falling into wisdom is just chasing smoke when you just live under the sun. He also saw that uh, the smoke of chasing fairness, fairness, justice, how, how good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And, and tr trying to just be on that all the time, it was just a, a chasing of the wind. Here's something that happened all the time and makes no sense at all. Good people get what's coming to them and bad people get what's coming to the good. I tell you, this makes no sense. It's smoke. All right, let's close in prayer. Have a great Sunday. No, don't want to leave you just there. So, so, so how, how, do, how, do we, how do we live in light of this? What, what, do, we, what, do, what do we do with this? What are, what are the next, next steps that uh, we take? And Ecclesiastes also towards the end, actually the last couple of verses says this, here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And that's, that's not to guilt you into anything. It's to say, wait a minute, everything isn't meaningless. How I interact with my world, how I live in my world, it, there, there, is, there is some meaning to it. It matters. Uh, my life uh, will, will have a review and how I interact with my world uh, is, is important. So Solomon's going, it's all meaningless, but, it, but wait a minute, it isn't all meaningless. He goes on in another passage to say this, it is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during their short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. So you've got this idea of fearing God, and sometimes we ask, well, what does it mean to fear God? It means to, in a sense, uh, be so concerned of our relationship with God that we live in such a way that our relationship with him is tight. So for a Christ follower, I, I, I fear God not because I'm scared he's going to put me down and hurt me and punish me and, and step on me once I get out of line. I fear God because I, I want a right relationship with him. I want it to be right. I, 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 uh, 
I fear the dentist. Well, not too much, but let's just say I fear the dentist. So about two weeks before I go to the dentist, I get out the dental floss and start, you know, getting all ready, you know, because I, I don't want to go in to see the dentist and have him say, you haven't been flossing very much. Oh, I know, I haven't been laying. I, I, I want to have a nice visit, you, you know, in a sense. So, so, so when I'm fearing God, I know I'm going to have to answer for the life that I've lived. I know that he understands that I'm a human being. That's not an excuse to go off the rails, but I, I know he understands that. So because of that, I prepare for that day. Uh, some, some, in a sense of even thinking about the future. You, you, you prepare so you, you fear a peace, you want a right relationship with it, so, so you, you prepare for it. And then, again, Solomon says that in some ways, there's just this moment where you just, you just need to enjoy life. Enjoy the good moments. There's plenty of bad moments, so enjoy the good moments. And, and I think we're going to have to answer for that. Did, did I really, in that moment that was just sweet, it was simple, did I just, did I, just, did I really enjoy it? Did I, did, I, did I take pleasure in being a human being, enjoying life? Goes on, says, so I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction and work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God for who can eat and drink in anything apart from him? We start to see this idea that, yes, I live under the sun, but there's also this concept of over the sun. And my relationship to the sun, S-O-N, it affects my understanding under the sun. So I live under the sun, but I also realize over the sun. And over the sun... Is, is beyond my perspective. But I understand over the sun. I start to connect under the sun and over the sun. Now, I'm going to show you a, a quick uh, video clip. I don't, wouldn't necessarily... Uh, how do I do a disclaimer? It's a beer commercial. It's coming out for the Super Bowl. But I like the image at the end, the thought at the end. And many of you will see this commercial over the next week. And I want this commercial to trigger some of these thoughts. So, um, you know, if you're asking, what about alcohol? What about all of that? Uh, you can always go back into our archives online, YouTube, and you can see there's a message on wine and weed. Very interesting message. Uh, back from uh, 2017, you can check that out and you can figure that out. But just, just watch this commercial. Poor robot, great athlete, great, everything's going great. You know, those people, some of them are saying, I'm, I'm doing all this exercise so I can drink and eat what I want, not have to worry about the weight and all that kind of a thing. But that idea, it's only worth it if you can enjoy it. And I think as we go through Ecclesiastes, you're going to see this concept. He asks, is life worth it? And we're going to see that it is worth it 
when you can enjoy it. And Solomon is going to say, no matter where you are, no matter what your station is in life, your place in life, you, you, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy living under the sun. To live well under the sun, we need to live well in light of the sun. And in a few moments, we're going to be celebrating communion, and we're talking about how God's son gave his life for us so that we could enjoy life here and now, and we could move into the future. Let's pray together. Grace, Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this book. At first, it's a little like Eeyore talking to us. It's a little depressing. But as we peel back the ideas and the concepts and we start to see uh, what Solomon, the teacher, is trying to teach us, we can have hope. Uh, we can see that life under the sun can have meaning and be enjoyed because of over the sun, because of your son. And as we dissect this and dive into it, we ask that you again give us an insight no matter where we're at, no matter whether we're convinced, no matter whether we're skeptics, no matter whether we're unconvinced or just kicking the tires, help us to see that life under the sun can have unbelievable meaning, can be lived well because of your son over the sun. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen.